tonight won't be really so much a sermon or a lesson. Uh, I'm not here tonight to, to preach to you. Uh, I'm not even here really to teach at you. But rather, I'm just here tonight to talk to you. And tonight, we are going to speak life. That is our title tonight, Speak Life. And because I am not a normal person, it probably won't follow the normal path of what you would think. Because we're not just going to talk from the perspective of speaking positively about things, but even though that is a part of it. And we're not just going to talk from the perspective of witnessing to someone and sharing our faith, even though that'll be part of it as well. Tonight, we're going to go much more basic than that by the time we get done, down to the very words we speak in everything that we say, both externally and also internally. So, it is all spiritual. Everything is spiritual. There was a, um, a gentleman that was a, a minister, and he, he did a sermon on everything is spiritual many, many years ago for a, a college setting, and he went through all the different ways that the earth has to be just this way and tilted just this much and have just this spin and went through all of these things and made parallels with the Spirit and made parallels in the Bible. And his point was everything is spiritual. Everything about creation, everything about who we are, everything about what we do, everything has a spiritual component. And so do the words that we say. So since everything is spiritual, we're going to start with our key verse tonight, which is where Jesus himself starts us off on the spiritual level. The book of John, chapter 6, and verse 63 and it says this, in red letters, the words of Jesus, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And in your own time this week, after that you've finished your Sunday homework, so if you, haven't, if you didn't remember, you had homework from Sunday, and that was to go back and read Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 in preparation of this coming Sunday for our final lesson from the Beatitudes. So in your own time, after you've finished your Sunday homework, I'm also giving you homework. Go back and read John chapter 6 on your own time in its entirety. I'm not going to do it tonight for the sake of time, but I'll give you the short version. And whenever you have time, you go back and read John chapter 6 on your own. But in the beginning of the chapter, in John chapter 6, we have the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, where there were 5,000, and that's how the story is titled. It's actually more than 5,000 because it was 5,000 men. And then the verse says, besides women and children. So it was very likely closer to 15,000 or more because back in the Bible days, it was not often you had a family with just one child. You know, most of the time, there were many children. So 
5,000 men besides women and children. We don't know how many there were. There were a lot. But we have the story of there was a large crowd that, and Jesus looked around at his disciples and he said, hey, go, go and get them food to eat. We're, we're out in the, on the side of a mountain. Where are we going to get food? And plus, we only have 200 penny worth uh, between all of us. That's not going to feed all these people. And he said, well, what do you have? And they said, well, we've got two loaves and fish. And so he took it, he blessed it, he broke, and everybody got to eat their fill. And of the fragments that were left over, there were 12 baskets full. Jesus gets done there, and he sends the disciples across the sea to Capernaum. And he decides he's going to go as well, but not with them. And so they go, and they're in the middle of the sea, there's a storm. Jesus comes walking to him on the water and tells him, Peace, it is I. Then he gets in the boat. They go on to Capernaum. The crowd sees that there was a boat there, and they get up the next morning. The boat's gone. Jesus left. They follow him. They go the long way around, and they follow him to Capernaum, and they find him, and they want to be taught more. But in this crowd, Jesus senses that there are those that are not really there to receive him, they're, they're there to accuse, they're, they're there to find fault. And Jesus begins to talk to them in some very, very graphic terms about him being the bread of life. And it's almost like Jesus is beginning to try and provoke them and to provoke a response out of them because he goes into, into detail about those that are desiring to never hunger and never thirst should eat his flesh and drink his blood. And he uses that terminology several times. You must eat of my flesh and you must drink of my blood and uses that terminology over and over and over. And the language and the verbiage that he uses, some of them find offensive and off-putting and even some of the disciples that followed him, not the original 12, but some others that had begun to follow him and call themselves his disciples, they eventually left because of what he said in John chapter 6. And even the disciples themselves begin to murmur and complain between themselves and say, That's, I, that, that just doesn't sound right because it really sounded like Jesus was talking about cannibalism. You've literally got to eat pieces of me. That was the, the words that he used sounded that way in a fleshly interpretation. And it all comes to, the, to a head whenever the disciples begin to, to talk among themselves. And Jesus knows it. And he turns to them and he says, does this offend you? And they said, it's a hard saying. And so then we have this verse. And he's telling them, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The, the flesh profits you nothing, but the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And Albert Barnes breaks it down this way. He says, the phrase, it is the spirit that quickeneth. He says, these words have been understood in many different ways, but the word spirit here evidently does not refer to the Holy Spirit because he adds right after it, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. So he refers here most likely to the doctrine 
which he had been teaching in opposition to their notions and desires of that day. In other words, he was saying, my doctrine is spiritual. It's fitted to quicken and nourish your soul. It's from heaven. Your doctrine and your views are earthly, and they may be called flesh or fleshly as pertaining to only support your body. You place a great value on the doctrine of that Moses fed the body because as he was talking about, you've got to eat of my body and drink of my, my blood, some of those in the crowd were talking about, well, Moses fed us and fed our forefathers in the wilderness with manna that came from God. You know, why do we have to eat of your flesh? Why can't God supply something that will make us live eternally? And so Albert Barnes says, you place great value on the doctrine of Moses that fed the body, but that did not permanently profit because all of those people who ate the, the manna, they died. They didn't live eternally. And so the fathers are dead, and Jesus is saying, you seek also food from me, but your views and desires are gross and earthly. So I've got to at least pique your interest with words that you understand, but then show you a different meaning behind them. And that word quickeneth, the words that it is the spirit that quickeneth, the word quickeneth is the Greek word zoopoeo, and it means to revitalize or to make alive, to give life. So he's saying it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh, the carnal views and desires, and the literal understanding of Jesus' doctrine was incorrect. And by this, whenever Jesus says, the flesh profiteth nothing, he's showing them that he did not intend that his words should be taken literally. In other words, the fleshly view of what I am saying, the earthly view of what I'm saying, doesn't profit you anything. It does you no good because that's not what I'm getting at. I'm not telling you to literally come and take a bite of me. That understanding doesn't work in what I am saying. It profits nothing. It would not avail of their real need for salvation. Just like the bread that Moses gave, the food which the disciples sought would not be of real value to a man's highest wants, which are salvation. Hey, we, we want food whenever we're hungry, but really and truly what we need is salvation, not another hamburger. You know, we, we need stuff that's going to sustain our soul more than we need stuff that's going to sustain our body. And so he said the words, they are spirit. In other words, they are spiritual. They are not to be understood literally as if you were really to eat my flesh, but they're to be understood as denoting the need of that provision of, for the soul that God has already made provision for by sending me into the world, sending Jesus into the world. And they are life. They are fitted to produce or give life to the soul dead to sins. So Jesus is saying that his words, the very things he is speaking, are breath and they are life. Because that word spirit is pneuma, which is the same root word where we get the word pneumonia. 
it is the pronunciation in English is P-N, you pronounce the P, but P-N-E-U-M-A. That's the Greek word that he uses there for spirit in both instances. And it literally means a current of air. That's what it means. It is air. It is breath. And the word life is zoe, which means life or a life time. So as Jesus is speaking, he's saying that his words, the things that he is saying, are the breath of the Spirit, and they are life. And we could spend all night digging into the multiple layers just of that verse. But the point that, that God just drilled into my spirit and the point that he wanted me to make here tonight is that Jesus is speaking words. That's the big theological revelation. Jesus is speaking words. But think about it. He is the God that communicates with us. And how does he do that? He speaks. And to do so, he uses words. And he chooses which words to use. Every word that Jesus said was intentional. No words were said by accident. It's almost like Jesus had a, a bookshelf and he says, I'm going to give you this word, and I'm going to give you this word, and I'm going to give you this word. He picked and chose every word that he said on purpose. He created all of the words and all of the forms of speech that exist. So what he says is not casually, it's not done casually, it's not done accidentally, it's intentional. And in this verse, he says, the words that I speak to you. So he is choosing the words and speaking them to his disciples. The chosen words are breath and they are life on purpose. So, how does that relate to us? That was Jesus speaking and to his disciples. And we are most definitely not God. So, does it even relate to us? I'd argue that it does. Because Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea in, and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall be my witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness testifies. How does a witness testify? With words. With words carefully chosen because those words have to tell the story of the testimony. You can't just use any words. You've got to use the right words to communicate the testimony. I can't give you an explanation of a sunset and use words about a hamburger that I've eaten. It doesn't work. You're not going to get the picture. I've got to pick the words that need to be said to convey the meaning that I need to get over to you. So we are to pick the words that we say and it is important to pick the correct words. And your words are formed by the sounds you make in your mouth. And those sounds are altered by your tongue. 
And if you think your tongue is not important in talking, just try to hold your tongue and have a conversation. It's not going to work very well. In fact, there were plenty of phrases whenever I was a kid that somebody would say, hold your tongue and say, and you'd end up saying something that you'd probably get your mouth washed out for. If you, you, your tongue is important in making sure the words come across properly. It shapes the words that we choose to use. And James even talks about the tongue and the danger of the tongue. And I'm going to read you a passage from James chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 2 through 12. And in your own time, extra homework, go back and also read James chapter 3. It's not nearly as long as John chapter 6, I promise you. But I want you to listen to what's being said and listen to the words being used. And James says, for in many things we offend all. In other words, there are many things that we say that can offend a whole bunch of people all at once if we're not careful. If any man offends not in word or in the things he says, the same is a perfect man and also able to bridle and control the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body because of the bit that's in their mouth. Behold also ships which though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm wherever the governor or the pilot decides. Even so, the tongue is a small or a little member, and it boasteth of great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. All those fires that are burning in Canada right now that are creating havoc in the northeastern United States, they were started with a little fire. And now, in, in today, in Louisiana, our air quality was about a 44. Anything from zero to 50 is considered perfectly normal, perfectly safe. You can breathe it. It's not going to do you any harm at all. In New York, right now, they have air qualities ranging from 250 up to 400. Anything over 300 is considered hazardous to your health. And that's because of all the particulate matter that's in the air from all the fires that are going on in Canada. And the weather system is just sucking all of that southward into the United States. Little bitty fires started that. And he says, Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is also a fire, a world of iniquity. So, the tongue among, so is the tongue among our members that defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature or the natural life and is itself set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and birds and serpents and things of the sea are tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly or restless evil full of deadly poison. Therewith, with the tongue, we bless God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men which are made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, it should not be so. Does a fountain send forth at the same spot 
sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree bear olives or a vine figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. It, that's pretty plain. What comes out of your mouth has to be one or the other. It needs to be the things of God. It needs to be things that are good. Or if you're not controlling it, then it's going to be things that are not good. And you can say, but that verse says no man can tame the tongue. That is absolutely true. Because if you try to be careful in every single thing you say without God's help, you're still going to offend somebody. Because sometimes you're going to say something and what you meant and what was understood are two different things. And somebody's going to be offended and you will have no idea why. But they're going to be mad at you because of something you said. And the words that you said had one meaning to you, but a different meaning to them. So, we can't control the tongue, but God can. And whenever we receive the Holy Ghost, we speak in tongues, which is God controlling our tongue to make words that we don't know so that the Spirit speaks through us. God takes control of what we can't control. And so He, He begins to flow through us and uses the thing that we can't control in order to let his will be accomplished. So we can't let our base nature control the words we choose. We have to let the spirit guide our words. Not fleshly words, but breath and life, just like Jesus did, speaking the things of God. So how do we speak the things of God? Glad you asked. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And the mouth speaks words. Out of the abundance of what is in the heart is going to determine what words come out. What we put in determines what comes out. And I've talked about that many times, and you've probably heard sermons from other people on what goes in is what comes out. You've got to have good treasure in your heart. But it bears repeating in this context because the words available to us to speak will be words that we know. If you don't know the word defenestration, you're not going to be able to use it and have fun with it. You probably won't ever use it in a sentence if you don't know what the word means. Incidentally, it's a favorite word of mine just because I actually laughed whenever I first learned it. The word defenestration is the act of throwing someone out of a window. That's what defenestration is. It's, there is a word for that in the English language for picking somebody up and throwing them out a window. Defenestration. That's what that word means. And I was highly amused. It was, it was the word of the day one day on some email list I had years ago. And, and I literally laughed whenever I read it. And I've remembered it ever since. But the point remains... You've now heard the word defenestration. 
But until you say it a bunch, until you roll it around in your head for a while, it's not going to be something that you're comfortable using because you just kind of know it. And the same is true for the words that we use every day. Out of our treasure or the things that we take in and keep, our heart and our mouth will speak. And so it's important that we put into ourselves the word into our treasure in our heart just like David said in Psalm chapter 119 and verse 11 he said thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee the word this thing right here hidden in my heart where my treasure is and where my words come from this needs to be what's there and if we're not putting the Word of God into our hearts and into our minds, those words are only going to be ones that we might have heard and that we may be somewhat familiar with, but we're not necessarily going to use those words if they are not down in our heart and if we're not comfortable with them, just like you may not be comfortable using defenestration correctly if you haven't used it a lot and read it a lot the same is true with the Word of God if you're not reading it you're not putting it into your heart those are not going to be the words that are coming out of your mouth they're not going to be the words that come out in your conversation and I use that word conversation intentionally because the words that we choose to use are not just when we're talking about God to someone or sharing our faith with others in a testimony or witnessing to them we have to choose to speak the words of breath and life in our conversation. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 from the NIV says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The same passage from the Passion Translation says let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity for then you'll be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith every word not just the words of your testimony but let every word that you say be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity which comes from God and how do we know what comes from God his word that we are to put in our heart where our treasure is so that those are the words that come out when we speak and as you read back through Matthew 5 6 and 7 before Sunday notice how many times that Jesus talks about things that are spoken things we are to speak and that we're not to speak and how we are to choose the words that come out of our mouth and the things we are to say because those words come from the heart which is where true righteousness starts and there has to be a place for true righteousness to grow and it's got to be stirred up by the Word of God and so that brings us to the final point for tonight the inside the inside of our heads and the inside of our hearts 
Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, not to other people, but to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking to ourselves. What words do we use on the inside? What words do we choose to use to ourselves? Are they breath and life of God? Because we can be our own harshest critic. We really can. But remember that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, not us. And that goes for us to ourselves as well. Just as James admonished us that we can't take the tongue and bless God with it and turn around and curse our brother or our sister who is made in the image of God, that goes for me too. I am also made in the image of God. And so I can't use my words internally to bless God and curse myself. The same holds true for me. Breath and life speak life the word of God is is so very powerful and, and I've used this illustration before but God just really this the the whole impetus for this message comes out of this story that I, I've, I've told this example that I've told many times and I was just talking with the the gentleman that did the opening prayer for sister Briggs's funeral going to the graveside he and I were talking and we were talking about how people hear different things in a sermon you know if you go to a secular conference I'll be going in, in a, a few a week or so I'll be going to a class on ethics and appraisal standards it's gonna be just riveting and exciting and you know what I'm gonna have after I leave that class I'm gonna have information on appraisal and ethical standards in appraisal that's what I'm gonna learn because that's what information is being given in the class if you go to a class on self-help you're gonna come back with things on how to help yourself if you go to a class on finances you're gonna come back with information on finances if you watch a documentary on coffee beans you're gonna find out stuff about coffee beans but if you come to church and listen to a sermon the sermon may be on one certain topic but you may go home with something completely different than the person sitting next to you because the word is alive and because God speaks to our hearts and to our minds and to our situations individually and and, and dad has told the story many times about how he he preached a sermon and he just felt like it was a flop it just felt like it it went nowhere it went right off the end of the pulpit and hit the floor and, and several weeks later somebody came up to him and said I just want to tell you how much I appreciated whenever you spoke on such and such and they began to tell him you know what he spoke on and, and how it blessed them and he couldn't remember saying any of those things at all 
And so he began to ask questions and come to find out it was the sermon that he felt like flopped and it didn't have anything to do with what they got out of it. But God made up the difference. He spoke the words that God told him to speak and God took it from there and did a work in that person's heart and in their mind because the word is alive. So what happens if we put the word of God down in our hearts and in our normal everyday conversations, we begin to speak breath and life. We begin to talk about, man, God has just been so good to me. Or somebody tells, tells me something that they're excited about, something that was great for them. And, and I say, well, praise God. Thank the Lord for that. If I begin to speak breath and life from the words that I've hidden in my heart, in my normal conversation, then could it be possible that God could speak through me into somebody else's situation without me ever knowing that I said something spiritual? Because I'm speaking the words that are in here that I've hidden in my heart. So every word that I say, every casual conversation, it is important the words that I choose, that I carefully think about what it is that I'm saying and allow God to be God even of those conversations. Even whenever I'm talking about somebody's dog or I'm talking about some, some piece of property that somebody's looking for, there are still things that I can inject into that conversation that are breath and that are life and that are the positive things of God. There is a song that is by Toby Mac, and I'm not going to play it tonight because that may not be all of your style of music. Just may not be. He's a Christian hip-hop artist if you, if you don't know him. So, so he, he's got a song that says, Speak Life. That's the tagline of the song. But listen to these words. You may know the song, but listen to these words. Some days, life feels perfect. Other days, it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. It's crazy, even amazing. We can turn our heart through the words that we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable and hope can live or die. So speak life. Speak life to the deadest, darkest night. Speak life. Speak life. When the sun won't shine and you don't know why, look into the eyes of the brokenhearted and watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope, you speak love, you speak life. Some days the tongue gets twisted. Other days my thoughts just fall apart. I do, I don't. I will, I won't. It's like I'm drowning in the deep. And it's crazy to imagine words from my lips as the arms of compassion. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak life. Speak life to the deadest, darkest night. Speak life. Speak life when the sun won't shine and you don't know why. Look into the eyes of the brokenhearted and watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope, 
You speak love. You speak life. So lift your head a little higher and spread the love like fire. Hope will fall like rain when you speak life with the words you say. Raise your thoughts a little higher. Use your words to inspire. Joy will fall like rain when you speak life with the things you say. So speak life. Speak life to the deadest, darkest night. Speak life. Speak life when the sun won't shine and you don't know why. Look into the eyes of the brokenhearted and watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope, you speak love, you speak life. Because some days, life feels perfect. And you have the choice and I have the choice for what words we use for whatever day we're in and whatever situation we find ourselves in during that day. And we can choose to use the words of this world or we can choose to use the words of God. We can choose to speak after the flesh or we can choose to speak breath and life into the world around us. So my encouragement to all of you is this week, next week, next month, next year, for the rest of your life, do like Jesus and speak words. Speak words. But make sure they're the right words. Make sure that they are words that God would be pleased with. And the only way that you can make sure that you are speaking His words if, is if you know His words and you've put them in your heart. If you would, stand with me. I'm done. But as you go home this evening... As you're dismissed tonight and you're, you're leaving out and you're talking to people, you're using words. You know, sometimes we have to tell Joel, use your words. Don't just grunt and point and, and use your words. Use your words. But not just the words of your flesh. Use these words. Whenever you leave this place, whenever you talk to somebody on the way out, tell them, Praise God. God is so good. I hope God can help me to use His words. Man, it is, hasn't it been a, a beautiful day? Just speak something positive into somebody else tonight and tomorrow and the next day and let God speak life through you. If you would, let's pray together. God, we come before you and we thank you that you are a God that communicates to us in words. And God, we pray that you would help us to take the words that you've given us and to use those words in the world around us. Help us to be conduits of breath and life in the Spirit and allow you to speak through us and to speak life into hopeless situations around us, whether we are conscious of it or whether you're moving even beyond our knowledge and beyond our control. We surrender ourselves to you tonight and we ask that you would make us vessels of your glory and vessels of your honor, 
use us for the glory of your kingdom. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.